You're listening to the You Mentor Talk Show. I'm your host, Fatima Al Sayed, and this week's show is brought to you by Onchex Clothing Incorporated. On this weekly talk show, we invite experts to learn from their career journeys as professionals in their fields. Tune in every week on Saturday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time to hear the advice of these professionals. And remember, if you have any questions for the panelists, you can always leave them in the comments section. On today's show, we are speaking to Timanna Nuri. Timanna helps the sick feel better by ensuring the medication they receive is safe and of the highest quality. Timanna, how are you? Hi, Sister Fatima, how are you? I'm doing well, thank you. Um, I hope I'm saying your name right, Timanna, right? Yeah, it's fine. Um, either way, it's it's fine with me. <laughs> okay. Um, so just to give people an over- overview of what you do, uh, your title is a biologic safety scientist. What does that mean? So um, <laughs> it is in uh, regarding to the pharmaceutical industry, which is the industry that I am in. And uh, biologics is the, the products that what my team basically focuses on um, mm-hmm. the drug substances and the drug products, they're all uh, biologics based. Okay. And um, it's, I'm under the CMC section, which is uh, one of the major sections that's reviewed before um, a drug can be approved. And the CMC section, which is um, chemistry, manufacturing and the controls mm-hmm. is, um, is a technical section and it's like a long-term commitment so it doesn't stop after after the drug is approved. It it's not like a one and done kind of um, kind of thing. And the reason why the CMC section like lives as long as it does is because after the product is even out on the market, we still do post marketing surveillance and make sure the quality of the product or the drug is um, still reaches its safety standards. Mm-hmm. So you will get. Um this drug and you will take it and study yes. it, uh, experiment, analyze it. Yeah. It starts as a, like a chemical entity first. Okay. And then from there you move on, you, um, you will come comprise the dosages, the ranges, you'll do stability data, shelf life, all of that. I know it might not make sense, but it's kind of like, um, it's kind of like the middle part Mm-hmm. of a whole product coming into fruition. Interesting. Um, right. And all of these things are used in order to, um, for let's say the pharmacies or different, or doctors to determine how long a person should take the drug for, what dosage, what, uh, how safe it is for these people. Yeah, how safe it is for them to take that amount, um, depending on the age ranges, the therapeutic area, the indications. So there's a lot of factors that go into it, which mm-hmm. is why you have to be so tedious and meticulous. Yeah. But um, you're, it, it all comes like second nature if it's something that you really love and something that you've been working towards. Mm-hmm. And then after um, the drug is gone onto the shelves, uh, what other work uh, do you have to do? You said that you do things after it's even distributed. Oh, right. So we um, we continue to monitor the product. You know, there's uh, once it's out into the market, that's when like the labels will come out, the package inserts, which is also what we um, what we contribute to. Mm-hmm. And um, from there, it kind of 
the marketing team kind of like takes control for, you know, um, marketing and branding it, making the commercials, mm -hmm. all of that. But we are the ones that provide them like all of the information that need to go into um, marketing of the product. And then mm -hmm. they send it out to um, the, the public. Yeah. And uh, there's a phone number, obviously, if anything, if any mm -hmm. adverse event occurs, that's when um, the, our safety team will get the, the phone calls. And then it's like a whole uh, process that we have to mm -hmm. undertake if anything does happen, which it sometimes does, not usually, but, you know, <laughs> it happens. Um, and you have to reanalyze the whole drug or just? Absolutely. Um... Yeah, it's a, it's a serious matter. We You have to like um, even put it to the FDA. There's a there's a website. Um, that's particular in the FDA that you have to put all of the adverse events into. And if you don't, um, there's like major fines and regulations that you're breaking and your product can potentially even go off of the market if you don't follow these rules. Yeah. And you lose millions of dollars and all of those years of research. So mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a pretty important uh, step to take. Yeah. I was just going to say, you're the middleman, but you're probably the most important step that they need to do. <laughs> Not the most important, but every every step is important. Yeah. Uh, it requires a lot of communication, a lot of following up, a lot of keeping records. So it's a, like a multitask kind of mm -hmm. situation that you're in. Um, in order to go into this field and succeed and thrive, what kind of personality traits should a person have? So in my particular field, uh, you definitely have to be a, a people person, which is what I've noticed. Mm -hmm. um, there's so many uh, different uh, teams that you have to cross-functionally work with, and you kind of have to mold yourself to different personalities. Mm -hmm. You kind of have to really um, take everything with a grain of salt, the, the interactions that you have with certain heads of departments or um, just dealing with everyday issues that may arise with um, mm -hmm. manufacturing sites and um, different problems that can occur. You have to really be able to have patience, number one, and um, you know, be able to think quickly and not let the pressure get to you. Yeah. Is there, because is it's, there... not, it's not just about you, it's about the product and it's yeah. safety as a whole. Mm -hmm. So you're going to encounter so many different issues and um, majority of the time it won't even be with the, um, with the actual like manufacturing of it. It will be with the way uh, people that you work with go around uh, wanting to submit things in certain mm -hmm. ways or yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. Um, Just have to be patient. <laughs> And we're going to get into that in more detail um, later on, just the workplace environment. But mm -hmm. um, let's uh, let people know if uh, someone wants to get into this field, uh, what path should they take? What path did you take? Okay, so that's a great question. <laughs> the path that I took um, was kind of unconventional, but it was the only way I could do it, mm -hmm. um, being the firstborn in my family. Um, and even being like probably one of the first people to even go to college in my family, because uh, being a first generation, you don't really have that kind of, I guess, 
uh, advantage that others have in this country where, you know, their parents are established and they have um, elders or cousins or whoever friends that have, you know, gone to school here and made uh, careers out of themselves, all of that. Mm -hmm. So uh, with me, I was, I, I'm actually the first one in my entire family to be born in America. Wow. On both sides of my family. <laughs> so uh, the pressure was on. I... I knew that, I mean, growing up in a, in an Afghan household where, you know, there's only three kinds of uh, careers. Career possibilities. <laughs> yeah. There's only three options, uh, A, B, or C, which is either like engineering or doctor, lawyer. That's yeah. it. So my, my parents, um, I'm not going to lie. They were a, a big source of support for me in education mm -hmm. uh, for my siblings as well. I have three siblings after me. And um, the one thing that they always said to us was, you know, the only thing you have to worry about in, in this life is just going to school and concentrating on one goal and, um, you know, becoming independent, be making something of yourself, making us proud, you know, we sacrificed everything, all of that. Yeah, um, a lot of pressure. <laughs> yeah, it is a lot of pressure, especially being the eldest. And um, so I, I went into school, like, not being familiarized with everything that was out there, but I knew like, okay, uh, in the healthcare field, you know, there's, there's different kinds of doctors, there's nurses, mm -hmm. there's pharmacists, there's um, physicians assistants, there's an endless amount of things. And I was always interested in science since I was little. I always liked the science aspect of, you know, biologically how our body works and the connection yeah. between everything in, um, in our bodies. So I knew that that's what I wanted to get into. And I had went on a field trip. Mm -hmm. I think I was in high school. I was either a junior or senior. I don't really remember, but um, we went to Pfizer <laughs> and um, it's a, it's one of the biggest pharmaceutical companies. And that's mm -hmm. where we got like, kind of like a tour of um, their facilities and different departments. There was presentations and I was like, Oh my God, this is so cool. Because <laughs> I knew that I, I, I knew that I didn't want to be, um, hands-on with patients. Mm -hmm. Yes, I can't do that. I have attachment <laughs> issues. Um, so I was like, you know what, this is, this seems like it's something that I can really thrive in. Mm -hmm. And um, although it, it requires like a lot of like sitting, it's like an office job, you know, a nine to five, which is something I'm comfortable with. Not a lot of people are, but I am. Uh, it's a lot of reading. It's a lot of research. It's a lot of like analyzing and concluding. Mm -hmm. But I knew from from then that that's something that I wanted to do, which is, um, which is why I was like, okay, I'm going to go to like, I'm going to apply to pharmacy schools. When I went to college, um, the internet wasn't really huge. I don't even think Google <laughs> existed. Um, so I couldn't, you can't, you couldn't even apply online. I had it was all done actually, through paperwork and through paper, right, right. And going to my guidance counselor, yeah. filling out these applications and the SATs were out of 1600 back then. Wow. So it was, it was a lot of, it was a lot of work because my parents, they weren't familiar with the whole college process or what, mm -hmm. how you even apply to college. They didn't even know what the SATs were. I remember I used to ask like to stay after school uh, for like extra help for in math, especially I'm not great at math. They're yeah. like, why do you need to stay after school? Do it yourself. So they just <laughs> didn't understand. You have to rely on yourself. Yes. Yeah. To yeah. Solve all uh, of these issues. Yeah, like magically, I had to just do it all Figure myself. It but um, yeah, that's literally how it was. You just get thrown into life, and you just gotta roll with the punches. Yeah. So um, um I had a lot there, of help from my guidance was, counselor. 
Yeah. Was there anyone from the community that could have helped at the time? Honestly, honestly, back then there probably was. However, I lived in New York mm-hmm. at that time being, and majority of my community was in New Jersey. Okay. That's where I go to my mosque. That's where um, everybody is. I would go to the mosque, like not a lot because I did live far. Mm-hmm. Um, but every Muharram, obviously I was there. Mm-hmm. Um, there probably was, there just wasn't that kind of like communication. There wasn't that kind of, I guess, system where everybody was more open with each other back then. You had to use uh, phone cards to contact from state to state. You yeah. know what I mean? So I just didn't have that kind of like venue or open lines of communication that I could have been like, hey, does anybody do, do this? You know, how did you do it? So I couldn't really do that. And then like all of my elder cousins or whoever, they just got married and had kids and stuff. So I, I think we take for granted how connected we are now with the world. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. To... Seriously. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of that's one of the things that I tell like my younger sister, like take mm-hmm. advantage of these resources that are available to you. There's so many open lines of communication. There's so many like venues that you could um, get information or access Mm -hmm. on anything you want. Just a a simple conversation about this kind of career or school or what people do can really like open your eyes in so many different ways. Mm -hmm. Um, So you went to pharmacy school? So I started, um, I did apply to, to a pharmacy school it was a two plus four kind of gig so you do your prerequisites Mm -hmm. and then you apply after you do your two years of prereqs yeah and then um so as I was doing that I um I would you know I had a a career counselor a a social advisor Mm -hmm. that we were all assigned to and um like when we talk about it I would tell her like you know, I don't want to go into retail. I don't want to go into like hospital uh, residency, nothing like that. I, my main goal is industry. That's what I want to do. So I knew from, from then on that I wanted to be in industry. And then she was like, okay, well, our pharmacy school, they have like master's programs and PhD programs where you can, uh, where it is literally like focused on industrial sciences, like pharmaceutical sciences. And then Mm -hmm. I'm like, all right, yeah, that's what I want. That's exactly what I want. Um, even the courses have like the courses that I took in my master's program are like actual, like, like CMC, for example, what I'm in right now, that was like two full courses that I had to take in my master's program. So it was like, it's awesome that I, I got to have like a really focused, um, like educational, um, learning experience to Mm -hmm. what I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, Which I think definitely put me to an advantage. Yeah. Coming in. For sure. Um, Was there something that you wish you had known before you went through this entire process? Yes. (laughs) So I wish that I had, um, I had known that these pharmaceutical companies, they have so many internships for like undergraduate students. Uh, These internships are, I think we like in every, um, in every summer that I've been there, we've had like two or three in our department and every other department has at least two or three summer interns. And then um, with this, they kind of get that kind of step up while they're doing their undergraduate degree. When they Mm -hmm. do graduate, 
they get to have all these experiences listed and they can get a job in um, in industry with a bachelor's and um, eventually when they do get a job, they can have their um, their graduate degree paid for by the company. They have um, like educational assistance and tuition reimbursement programs for their employees. That's amazing. So if you want to get a master, yeah, if you want to get a master's, if you want to get an MBA, whatever. And the the good thing about uh, the pharmaceutical companies is that it's not only science based. You know, mm-hmm. we have like uh, finance, we have marketing, we have uh, ad promo. Uh, we have even the legal entity. So mm-hmm. it, like basically any kind of major that you are, you can apply to these internships, get into them. Um, if, you, if that's what you want to do, you can start working and eventually have them pay for your entire graduate degree, which is something that I wish I had known because that's something that I would have done. I would have proactively, proactively searched for internships, yeah. you know, um, done them every summer. That And these are paid internships. There are so many industries that don't pay for internships. You that's just have true. to work your butt off, mm-hmm. you know, just to get that kind of experience. Mm-hmm. And um, something that I did learn while I did, uh, when I did graduate and when I was looking into careers, it was actually extremely hard. It doesn't matter what kind of degree you had in this particular industry, they value experience more than your degree, sort of. Yeah. So somebody with a, a bachelor's degree but have had multiple like internships and years of experience is valued more than somebody with a master's or a PharmD or whatever with no experience in industry mm-hmm. because it's that level of um, kind of understanding of how the, that whole industry works. Yeah, it's and it's kind of hard to to really adapt to that kind of environment. So that's why they value experience over um, over your degree. Mm-hmm. And you're not in debt when you didn't oh, go absolutely. Yeah, that's the best thing because that's majority of my my loans come from grad school. Yeah. Oh, well, you live and you learn. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and now you can Sometimes. teach others, which is, which oh, is yeah. great. It's a it's yeah. an advantage. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's it's something that I'm. You know, I'm grateful for, for going through it, but I'm even more grateful for for going through all that and being like a source of, you know, guidance for, mm-hmm. for the younger people in my community or my family or whoever that may need. Mm-hmm. I even tell my sisters, um, like, you know, if any of your classmates need any advice on anything, you know, tell them to give me a call or whatever. Like, I just, I want to be able to be that source of like, guidance or give like somebody like an outline because I never had it and I would have like killed to have it but it's okay (laughs) there always has to be somebody to take all of the the hard end of everything yeah and I think you it makes you um a a much more valuable resource because you did go through all of that and you can speak from your own life experience um which is great uh I wanted to ask about the field itself is it um is there a lot of diversity within uh, the office or this this particular field? Uh, that's a good question. So uh, there is not as much diversity as um, I would hope or I would like mm-hmm. uh, coming from like a diverse place like northern New Jersey or, or New York, even where you're surrounded by so many different types of people. I feel like this kind of corporate setting, um, I mean, it's been around for 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 a very long time. So there's kind of a certain group of people kind of vested mm-hmm. in, in like the whole 
backbone and there's a whole bunch of politics with like you know the government the pharmaceutical mm-hmm. industry which is a whole nother can of worms that you don't want to open but <laughs> the um the the main demographic is like um the whites and mm-hmm. then you will have like the, the i guess the asians the, the south asians um not as much as you would hope so mm-hmm. i would think if i were to break it down in percentages mm-hmm. i would say from what i have seen in uh, multiple different companies and, and venues in my industry in this corporate field, it would probably be, I would say, I would honestly say 80% are, are white mm-hmm. and um, the rest of the 20% falls under um, the Asian race and the African race mm-hmm. and, and the, the South Americans, the Latin race, that's it. Just 20, 80, basically. Wow. Um, and, and another thing that I realized while working here is that nepotism is huge. So um, it's just generation I, after generation. Oh, yeah, yeah. They <laughs> really want to get their family members in. And I feel like it's a cycle. So mm-hmm. now that, you know, finally, like, um, there's different races going into it. Yeah. Uh, you You're know, that, that can cycle. Open, oh, yeah, that can open the doors for so many other people, mm-hmm. uh, which is what I've realized. It's It kind of get some people a little bit like uh, scared or threatened when they, I guess, when they see other people trying to come in and taking their jobs as, as we mm. see in um, the social climate right now. But yeah. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and for you as a first generation female um, <laughs> American, you're also Muslim going into mm-hmm. a predominantly white field. Um, what were the, um, what can I say, challenges that you had to deal with and overcome and really learn to um, not, not treat them as an obstacle? Right. So this was very uh, tough for me because, like I said, before, before I came into this field, I didn't have anybody that worked in like a corporate office job or mm-hmm. I didn't understand the politics of it. And I kind of went into it like the way I would, I would be with my coworkers is how I would be around my family members mm-hmm. in regards to uh, respect, mm-hmm. respect. And, you know, um, not speaking my mind about certain situations where I feel like culturally at, being a female, there are so many instances where, you know, there will be certain situations where they'll just be like, you just have to swallow it. You can't, you know, speak up about certain situations. You can't yeah. really um, <laughs> talk back. Talking yeah. back was like a huge thing for me in my family, especially like it's just something that's not done or something you don't question. Like mm-hmm. when, when your elders tell you to do something, you do it, you, you don't do question it. it. So mm-hmm. me going into a, a, a corporate setting like this, uh, it was definitely a disadvantage for me because I would never question anything. I would never speak up about anything that I felt like, okay, this is counterproductive. You know, why are we doing it like this when the FDA says it has to be like this? I would just keep my mouth shut because I wouldn't want to kind of uh, rub anyone's shoulders or be Mm -hmm. that kind of like, like issue for a team where I feel like now that I look back, I wish that I, I did because then that kind of opened the doors for people to kind of take advantage of you. Like, Hey, she's not going to say anything. Let's just put all the 
the workload on on her you know like mm-hmm. oh i have this to do can you do this i have this this to do can you do this so if each person is asking you to do things you have 10 different projects going on where you can't say no and that's another thing culturally we we just automatically do everything we take the the bulk load of everything mm-hmm. in a household especially women i feel like um no offense to the men they especially work really hard. daughters yes yes mm-hmm. like i remember i had to like literally like juggle school and exams but at the same time my mom would have the whole family over and she'd be like you can't miss out because who's gonna wash the dishes and who's gonna (laughs) help me cook and I'd be like mom I have an orgo exam like this is serious so I had to like sacrifice my sleep and everything because Mm -hmm. I I had to like I said take the ball it's a responsibility yes it's a huge Mm -hmm. responsibility but then that kind of mindset I also went into like my my working field with that kind of mindset too like just do everything don't ask questions it is what it is mm-hmm. and um at, at, there was a point that I realized like oh my gosh why am I the only one that's taking like the bulk end of it you know like why am I the only one that's saying yes I became the yes man yeah so um that's something that I wish that I had um I had really like had some sort of guidance or some kind of like person to tell me like okay don't be afraid to, to say no. Don't be afraid to speak your mind about some things that you feel like won't work or, you know, like. And don't, don't be it's, afraid really... also to stand out because you already do regardless. Right, right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Don't be afraid to stand out. Like they feel threatened already. But then when you sit there and like, you know, just not say anything, that kind of gives them the strong arm to be like, all right, we have nothing disregard to you. They kind of, yeah, they disregard you. They underestimate you. Yeah. They, it, yeah, no, you have to know your value and you have to go in there thinking like, okay, you know, this is what I bring to the table. And if I don't feel that this won't work, I'm going to say it and mm-hmm. not be afraid of what, what the responses are going to be from, you know, the, I guess, upper management. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you think that as, let's say, people of color or uh, women um, in hijab, uh, should we be hyper aware of our difference or um, what can we do to use that to our advantage? Use the hijab to your advantage? Use our difference to our advantage, no okay. matter what it is. I think, I think um, in regards to being hyper aware, mm-hmm. I think you shouldn't make it as a a kind of it's not like a handicap I feel like it's your strength Mm -hmm. I feel like it's your you are representing Islam in in a whole you know like for people that don't wear hijab you don't really know what they are Mm -hmm. but for people that do you kind of have that kind of huge responsibility like bam, the first second somebody sees me, they know I'm Muslim. So you have to kind of go in there with like the mindset of, you know, being strong. And I know it it gets kind of like tiring, Mm -hmm. um, kind of always trying to prove yourself and prove your knowledge and prove your worth. Like you can do something just as better as um, like somebody that like a regular Mary or Jessica, you know, or like a Tom or Ben. Um, But I feel like you shouldn't hesitate ever 
ever, mm-hmm. ever, ever. And I feel like you should use it as your strength and kind of be that kind of um, example mm-hmm. for, for the rest of Islam and um, kind of show everyone truth and, you know, what's right yeah. <laughs> in regards to like, not just like your work aspect, but your moral aspects too. Mm-hmm. It is a huge responsibility, but I feel like it, it's, it's your strength. Yeah. Um, but even for people who uh, don't wear hijab, uh, when Ramadan rolls around, <laughs> everyone oh, knows you're yeah. Muslim. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that gets kind of a little bit, um, it's kind of like a broken record player, uh, mm-hmm. not even water, you know, no, nothing from sunrise to sunset. <laughs> oh my God, 30 days. Um, it gets kind of awkward when there's like team events that happen or um, there will be like celebrations, like anniversaries, like five-year anniversaries or 10-year anniversaries. And then you go and um, they usually have like a spread out of like all this food and, um, or even like team lunches where you kind of have to like decline the the uh, invitation. And then they'll be like, oh, why? Like, do you not want to eat with us? And then you'll be like, no, it's because I'm fasting, you know? And then it's just yeah. awkward to go there and just stare at everyone. But then um, what I do is like, let, I will educate my team or like my coworkers or whoever asks, I will educate them on like what Ramadan is. It's actually surprising the amount of people that, that don't live know. in America, in Northern New Jersey, mm-hmm. you know, where you would think that there's so many different diversities and religions, but a lot of people don't know about it. Um, I even had a manager once, she, she, when I told her that it was like um, Ramadan and um I couldn't like go to like uh, an, an offsite kind of party because mm-hmm. I was breaking my fast, obviously, you know? Yeah. And then um, she was like, I was like, oh, it's Ramadan. She's like, what is that? <laughs> and I'm like, and I was like, you're a manager and you don't know. Like, I don't know. I feel like people should in be more the work educated. field. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. They should be more educated, on, especially on something that's so big. It's not like, you know, every religion has like a, like such a sacred month. I feel like Islam having Ramadan for 30 days is kind of like widespread knowledge. Yeah. So I feel like that should be incorporated into like, like trainings for for Mm -hmm. these people, you know, to be more open about different kinds of um, like religious beliefs. And Mm -hmm. I think the more we break into these fields, the more uh, people will understand and know, which I think just gets tiring sometimes to have to explain it over and over and over Over and over. Yeah. Um, But then you'll like run into people like some of my coworkers, even like, we're like, we're going to try fasting one day with you. And I'm like, that is so like great of you guys. Like that. (laughs) It makes me so happy, you know, Mm -hmm. like, yeah, some of them didn't last until like two o'clock, but even the fact of trying, it's mm-hmm. pretty cool. It kind of gives you like hope, like, okay, like, look at, look at one. Like they're what open to it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I opened this like can of worms for them. So right now it's like a couple of hours of fasting, but then they kind of also get to have that kind of appreciation uh, when they do perform those couple of hours yeah. and they see like, wow, this person does it for this whole month, every single year, this whole religion does it for yeah. this whole month, every single year. And then it maybe and piques the their interest and they want to read. Mm-hmm. And they yeah, read yeah. more and understand. Yep, it's like a can of worms. Yeah. <laughs> um, this reminds me of one time I was working in a very like predominantly white newsroom and I had to go out on a video shoot it was Ramadan at the time and I had to explain to my supervisor over and over exactly what Ramadan is, what I can and can't do, 
um, oh, no. you know, uh, the aspects of it, all of that. And he was like, oh, okay. You know, sort of like, oh, that's cool. Okay. Mm-hmm. We go to the shoot and he offers uh, the this white lady water who we're um, interviewing. And she goes, no, sorry, I'm not uh, eating right now. I will, I'll, I'll put it aside and drink it at sunset. And he's like, why is that? And she's like, it's intermittent fasting. And she starts explaining all these wonderful things about intermittent fasting. Intermittent he's fasting, so fascinated. Right? All the benefits, uh-huh. Yeah, everything that it does for your body. And, I and then you're like, like wait. <laughs> I, I literally just told you that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's amazing to see how when something comes from someone who looks like that. Oh, a different mouth, right, right them yeah but when it comes from you it's like this oh weird thing that like you know just the people outside do (laughs) yeah that's like another struggle like the constant like want and hope for like I don't know kind of being accepted or validated you know Mm -hmm. I feel like we're underestimated a lot yeah a lot and um even sometimes when I'll go into meetings with like different people that are not on my team different teams and when they'll see my name like in the email invite we're emailing back and forth but then when I meet them in person and I'm speaking English without an accent they're like so shocked they're like oh Mm -hmm. oh okay oh were you born here and I'm like yes just because I have a different name like you know doesn't mean that you should kind of have that judgment that Mm -hmm. I'm from a different country and I don't know what I'm doing or what am I even doing here you know it's kind of that constant need for like validation like you kind of have to really always fight for Mm -hmm. for being normal and this is why we need more representation ever right absolutely absolutely um so unfortunately we've come to the end of our show but uh it was lovely talking to you um yes it was great talking to you too thank you so much for having me on thank you so much for being here one final question for you what is your final piece of advice for our audience um final piece of advice for the audience um i think be persistent be patient um work hard for for what you want don't ever hesitate. Don't ever doubt yourself because I feel like once doubt enters your mind, it kind of just takes over, um, which for me, I feel like like praying, for example, like when I'm in a tough situation or when I was in school studying, just getting up, walking away from the situation that I was in, using those five, 10 minutes to, you know, splash water in my face for a or um, praying. I feel like that just takes a load off of your shoulders and it kind of like, um, let's the doubts and anxiety and stress kind of get like released in a weird way. And I know that spirituality is not tangible. You can't see it. You can't like touch it, but you, you can feel it. So for me, I feel like, you know, keeping that faith strong and never doubting yourself and always know that, you know, um, Allah has a plan for you and will never, ever let you down to just stay patient. And I think that's my number one advice. Also for the younger generation, use your resources, network, (laughs) network, 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 because sometimes it's not about what you know, it's about who you know. You never know what opportunity can knock on your door just by introducing yourself to someone um, in a certain field and saying, oh, you know, I'm interested in this. You Mm -hmm. never know what door it can open for you. Thank you so much for your wise and amazing advice. No problem. Anytime. Um, Thank you so much for having me on. And I'm looking forward to um, keeping this communication open.
It was our pleasure. Um, and we'll let people know how they can reach out to you in a moment. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Sister Fatima. You were just listening to the Youmentor Talk Show. If you missed this or future shows, you can always hear the replay on the Youmentor website under prior talk shows. And while you're there, you can always catch up to our previous shows on SoundCloud or our iTunes podcast. So why not subscribe? If you want to reach out to today's speaker or speakers from any of our previous shows to ask these professionals any questions you may have, just visit our online platform at emojioutreach.org slash unleash the future slash groups. Thank you for listening to our speaker today on Facebook Live, and be sure to tune in next week on Saturday at 3 p.m.